0: Well hello there businessy friends, it's Ian Whitworth from the Motivation for Skeptics website this week, Corporate Tinder Syndrome and Virtual You. I saw a video recently that will make our lives much more convenient, and yet some serious concerns about what it means for our future at work. High on the list of lockdown world problems, is the battle for bandwidth between you, your family, housemates and neighbours. There's only so much upload speed. When your kids start gaming, your inspirational Zoom speech becomes going a, forward a, 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 a sort of chopped-up Morse code of random half-words. Gaming tech outfit Nvidia has fixed that problem by turning you from fat video files into a nice streamlined algorithm. You upload a picture of yourself. The software picks up data points from around your face and then moves your avatar face to match. So it's a kind of virtual you doing the talk on screen. I've put a YouTube video of it on the site, check it out. The images are amazingly accurate and it takes up much less bandwidth. You get clean images from the worst internet connection. You can also adjust your image so you're looking straight at the viewer rather than the standard down and to the side, wonky zoom look. It's an ingenious miracle and also Cause for thought on what happens when we're all reduced to a series of moving data points. The world of Tinder, Bumble, and those apps is, I'm told, a minefield of discrepancy between photo and reality. On screen, there are Hemsworth. Then you find Jonah Hill waiting for you in the bar. Get ready for that syndrome in your supply chain at work. You'll discover you've been doing business with the 2003 version of your account manager. The first face-to-face meeting will be an uncomfortable revelation. You look around, confused. It's me, says a familiar voice from a face you don't quite recognise. Uncomfortableness leads to avoidance, so they make excuses to get out of the in-person meeting. They end up working an entire virtual career as their long-ago self, because they feel, deep down, that that's their real, best identity. Who doesn't feel that way sometimes? And if you're going to do that, the next logical step is picking someone better looking to be Zoom you. Now we're deep in the matrix. I've had to deal with using someone else's face, and it's weird and annoying. I'll drop that story right at the end so we can keep to the point. On the flip side of the work avatar issue, there's your reputation to consider. If you're the well-known face of your business, what's to stop someone using your image to make a picture-perfect video of you? admitting to running an international conspiracy ring of goat molesters. Digital black ops teams all love this kind of thing for political campaigns. And so our trust levels spiral ever downward. You already can't believe lots of what you read. Get ready for that in video as well. The whole Zoom identity topic takes us to a murky issue. At work, what are you? Easy question to answer if you build kitchens, cook meals or cut hair. For office types, it's a little trickier. Are you a face people trust? A voice that solves customers' problems? A source of ideas that gives your business the competitive edge? A generator of email reminders to keep the kitchen space clean because your mother doesn't work here? As tech replaces each part of your identity with synthetic alternatives, what do you build your reputation on? What can your employer replace with tech that doesn't draw a salary? If your job involves a series of common responses to customers or co-workers, I'd be worried. Work that involves understanding people is harder to disrupt. The soft skills of persuading other people to do things are quite robot-proof. AI will never have a genius new product or service idea. Code can't look at your systems and processes and change them to create a better human experience. If I had a job or career, I'd be very much back in the office as soon as it's allowed because that's where those hard-to-replace human skills work best and where they're easiest to learn. Everyone knows what you look and sound like and that will be an increasing source of trust as things get more virtual and less trustworthy. Meanwhile, the work-from-homeers will get easier and easier to replace either with tech or cheaper people offshore. Bit of a scene change pivot update for you. Management by video isn't gonna go away when COVID ends. It'll be a permanent part of business life from now on. As part of our efforts to pivot our business scene change out of the murky virus depths, we realized our clients' senior execs need screen presence. If they can't lead their organization through a camera, they can't lead. Many of them could use some help on that. Most CEOs are good at live audiences. Studios are a different beast. The cold silence and lack of visual feedback is brutal. You can be a star in the conference room and a dead fish on camera. So we put together a training program with Nigel Colin, who has the unusual career combo of both business leader and actor. Our theory is, if an exec gets good feedback after a presentation in our studio, they're much more likely to return. It's quite fun working out the details of products that didn't really exist before 2020. I've put a video of uh, on the site of Nigel explaining virtual leadership. It's kind of short and fun. Check it out. Get in quick before we replace him with a low-priced avatar. Oh yeah, that other story I promised you. My secret actor life. I know this someone else's face territory. Before I stopped shaving, I had a regular stream of strangers approaching me in the street going, Has anybody ever told you you look exactly like a younger version of that actor? It's... it's... And I would say, eh, because they weren't going to say George Clooney or Brad Pitt, were they? No, it was good old Academy Award winning Geoffrey Rush. Nobody ever briefed their cosmetic surgeon with, make me look more like Geoffrey Rush, please. One afternoon I was enjoying a pleasant beer with friends and two young women from the noisy group nearest came over. Hey, you look just like Geoffrey Rush, says one. Are you by any chance related to him? Why not roll with it? Yep, I'm his younger brother, Dave. Oh my god, I knew it, she says. Can I get your autograph? "Uh, I'm just a guy who works in marketing. I'm not famous, but sure. Do you have something to sign? They don't, so they hunt around and come back with a pub coaster, which I sign as Dave Rush, smiley face. What's Geoffrey up to now, she asks. Oh, he's just chilling this year. Did a couple of pirate movies last year, so needed a break. Bit of theatre. She pauses, then... Kate Blanchett's my cousin! I go into full jazz hands theatrical mode. Oh my god, how is Kate? Haven't seen her for ages! She backs off a bit. Well, she's my second cousin on my husband's side, so I don't really see much of her, but... Well, next time you see her, make sure you tell her Dave sends his love. I love the idea that at some future family get-together, a bemused Kate Blanchett will get a message from Geoffrey Rush's younger brother. That she knows does not exist. Anyway, since I grew the beard five years ago, the spirit of Jeffrey has been exercised. And now I just get Scott Farquhar from Atlassian. Nah, I'm okay with that. Hey, I write a story like this every Tuesday. Drop your email on the subscribe page on the website to get it in your inbox entirely free of charge. And now your annoying weekly reminder that i got a book coming out next year on Penguin Random House. So uh, you should buy it. Stay tuned for announcements. Bye. (laughs)